welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This week's Torah portion is a double parasha, Nitzavim and Vayelech, but each one is really, really short, so even the two of them together is pretty short, and for its size contains a number of really, really powerful, beautiful, uh, really inspiring uh, verses, so uh, encourage those who are available and able to do so to come uh, join us uh, in our parking lot uh, for our Minyanim the Shabbat morning. I guess I haven't yet found laners for all of the laning, but uh, I'm not too concerned. The the night is young, um, uh, but uh, even if you're following along at home, like this is a portion to read and contemplate uh, many, many really beautiful themes and beautiful verses. And you can join us afterwards for our kids' parking lot Parsha-themed activity, davening and activity. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that launched last uh, Shabbat. Uh, I had a, one of my children was there and had a great time, and uh, we're glad we're doing it again. And while the weather's nice and it's really easy to be outdoors for tefillah, we should really, really encouraging people to take advantage of those, those opportunities. Absolutely. I think, right, these opportunities to gather in a safe, socially distanced way, right, are, and when the, while the weather is still good, uh, you know, they're really, really important opportunities. And uh, I think it's connected to a theme in this week's Parsha a bit, uh, the mitzvah of hakel, of, of gathering together to learn Torah together that we read about in this week's Parsha. Ah, please say more. <laughs> um, the mitzvah of hakel uh, is taught that uh, Moshe says that at the and every seventh year, well, the year that's set for Shemitah, uh, on the holiday of Sukkot, the Kohen Gadol and the Melech, kind of the they conduct this mass Torah reading where the king reads from portions of the Torah to all of Israel. So it's a ceremony that happens every seven years, and there's major Torah reading. And it's, in a way, like a reenactment of Har Sinai. There's a gathering of the entire nation. And in fact, like a crucial element of this gathering is that every single person is meant to be there. Every single person, from young to old, from all backgrounds, everyone is gathered. And it kind of teaches you that part of Torah is community, right? Without the presence of every single individual, this Torah reading celebration wouldn't be whole. It wouldn't be a full completion of this mitzvah. So it's a, there's, a real, there's a real depth to, and magic to the gathering of everyone together that actually serves to complete the Torah and the, and the experience of Torah learning and living Torah in the world. That, that's really... Um... A, a very important lesson for for this year. I, I've been thinking a lot about the way in which people's spiritual um, lives, people's connection to try and mitzvot, people's connection to God, people's sense of living an intense Jewish life is so much connected to being a part of a community and what it means to be part of a community that you can't be um, in proximity to in, in the same ways that that we did before. I, I think so many Jewish communities are, are are struggling with this. So many, like every Jew is, is grappling with this. Like, what does it mean to have a connection to Torah and Mitzvot when I can't be hundreds together in shul? Like, you know, without the, what, what sustains my religious commitments without um, singing together in shul or schmoozing together in Kiddush or, uh, you know, having uh, Shabbos meals uh, together with my neighbors and friends, right? All of these um, aspects of community. Are, these, these are not like ancillary. These are not minor. These are the things like the stuff that sustains our, our commitments. We don't 
I, like you know, it's very hard to be like the Jewish Robinson Crusoe would be in a real tough, tough spot. Like, how do you, how do you sustain commitments to Torah if you're by yourself? Right? I think it's a really, like, and we've all, in in various ways, had to try to answer that question in, in really painful ways. I think, in for many of us, absolutely. But I think, right, the the absence that we've been feeling of that lack of connection, uh, the isolation that can happen when when we can't gather in ways that we've been used to. Um, has also highlighted the small ways in which we can connect and the power that we have for those small moments of connection to really make an impact, uh, right? Even when we can't physically gather, reaching out and making a phone call, sending a text, an email, asking someone how they are, uh, calling that person that you may not have reached out to before because you were going to see them in shul. Uh, you were going to see them at Kiddush, right? And you, you can't do that now. So that absence has highlighted the power of the small the little things, right? The immense power that we actually do have to connect in these small ways and the impact that that can have. Yeah, uh, that's important. It's just, it, it's, um, it's important. I think this is like a, this is like a grand experiment. I mean, this is a tragic, and really hard time and a lot of people are suffering really immensely. And, uh, but, and, and we've also been forced to go through this experiment of like, how do we sustain our sense of community without the ways that we've learned over centuries to build community. And then also then the, the secondary question of like, how do we sustain our commitments, our religious commitments without the things that used to sustain it, without the plausibility structure, right? Of like, I go every, every Shabbos morning and I'm with hundreds of other people who are also experiencing Shabbos morning. So without that, like what, what's the, what's the plausibility structure that kind of makes this lifestyle and these commitments make, makes, you know, make sense anymore. And I think that's our, those are really hard, hard questions. So thank God we do have ways we can text people, you know, and say, I'm thinking about you and I miss you. We can. Yeah. Uh, we, we do have distanced uh, tefillah in our parking lot for those for whom that's safe. And uh, I, I would just say, like, we, I think we've never had a week where all the slots have been filled. So um, Friday night and Shabbos afternoon, we always have empty slots. We usually have empty slots Shabbos morning as well and one or both minyanim. So um, if you've been waiting for the perfect opportunity, maybe it's this week, unless it's <laughs> raining. Okay, maybe it's next week, okay? <laughs> so check it out. Um, this Shabbat, weather permitting, we'll have our third iteration of our Into the Field um, activities where we've been encouraging people to um, just be present in a distanced uh, and masked and safe way uh, in, in the park. We've been gathering south of uh, Briar Street, uh, the Briar Street playground, in those fields to the south. There are a number of members of the shul who have been gathering there anyway uh, to sit and to picnic. And, and so we've been encouraging others to go as well and just to greet one another and to say Shabbat Shalom. I've been roving the grounds, sharing short words of Torah uh, to people who I don't scare off uh, by that. And uh, <laughs> it's been really nice to see one another. And uh, from, from my experience, having been there last week, I don't think people were scared off. I think it was. I, uh, I think it was that's, very nice. People seemed to, to enjoy, say. and I got to see new faces, especially for me being still kind of new to the community. It was really lovely to just see and meet new people, uh, to see people coming out and in a safe, in a safe way to connect that way. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and somebody somebody wrote to me that they were concerned that there was big crowds in the park, and was it so safe, and where was everyone distanced, and and I. Um, Really appreciate that person's concerns, and and I, what, what I respond to them was that I, you know you might see people who are a little closer together than you feel comfortable with, but it, the, the park is big enough in that location that each individual really has the ability to keep the distance that he or she feels is right. And you want to, you know, six feet is recommended, but if you want to keep eight or ten feet, you can do that. And if somebody else is 
too close to their neighbor for your comfort, you don't have to join them, right? You can stay a few feet farther away from them and that, you know, you can sort of maintain your own, um, like, boundaries that feel safe for you and that feel responsible for you, even if 100% of the people who are surrounding you are not acting with 100% of the same practice as you are. And so I, I think that's, 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 that's why I've felt comfortable and, uh, you know, encourage people to kind of, if that's useful, then you can take that into your perspective as well. And another way that we've been connecting to each other uh, with greater um, traction and greater reliability in recent weeks is the like the relaunch of the Pocket Bait Midrash. This is a WhatsApp group that started some months ago and sort of had intermittent use uh, over the past months. But in recent weeks, uh, we've tried to keep to a better schedule of sharing short divrei Torah in written and or audio recording form on this WhatsApp group. So a little, you know, short things to say about the Torah portion and some halachic um, teachings as well. I, I've really enjoyed it. It uh, forces me to remember that actually, you know, even though there are a million things to do and a million things to, um, like, people who want my attention for one thing or another, like, actually, I, I really love teaching Torah. And here's, like, a forced, like, okay, like, I have a commitment to teach a little bit of Torah to these people uh, over this WhatsApp platform. And uh, hopefully those who listen and watch and read, they they also have that that reminder that they can, you know, spare some time for Torah in the midst of everyone's really busy days. So I want to, if you haven't yet uh, joined the WhatsApp group, I encourage you to, like, do so. And all of you who are already on the WhatsApp group, like, you can press play and listen to, like, the recordings, okay? Because many of you, you know, <laughs> I know who of you subscribes, and I know how many people listen to the recordings, and many more of you could press play and listen. It's like a five- or six-minute recording. You can press play while you're washing dishes or driving somewhere or... Uh, you know, putting your shoes on in the morning and, and just uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting and, and valuable. Yeah, it's a really easy opportunity to get some Torah into your day and I've been I've been enjoying it. Um, big plug. All the cool kids are doing it. The, 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 the most recent um, recorded little audio shior was on a halachic piece by the Orach HaShulchan who discusses who has priority in leading services if there is you know, he quotes an old Ashkenazi custom that the one who leads slichot early in the morning should lead all of the tefillot for that day. Uh, he says that wasn't his practice in his community and then goes on to say, but the most important thing is that there shouldn't be arguments and fights about who leads uh, and, you know, mourners and people with yard site and all of these types of conflicts that are so common in shuls. The Orach HaShulchan writes that this is, Satan is dancing amongst us, spurring us on, <laughs> trying to get us to fight about these things. And it just totally misses the point of what uh, our coming together in prayer is supposed to be about. Totally misses the point, And yet so very human, so very common. And he's sort mm. of encouraging us, like, if you have a little bit of Yerat Shemayim, you fear of heaven and, like, proper religious orientation, you're never going to, like, avoid at all costs getting into a fight over asserting your rights to lead something or have some honor in shul. If you're fighting over a shul honor, like, that's, you've missed the point. And that's, a, I think, a very powerful lesson because it's uh, something I've seen. I think in every community where I've lived, you know, this is a very natural human thing to happen. And, uh, so he was warning about it 100 years ago. We still need that warning today. Um, and so uh, it was a, I thought a very relevant uh, piece of Torah that I got to study and teach uh, over the Pocket Bait Midrash uh, this week. In the theme of preparing for Rosh Hashanah by learning some Torah, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about how to prepare your home for Rosh Hashanah. What does it look like to be preparing in the, you know, if you're spending a lot of your time at home, as many of us have been doing? How do we kind of transform a space that's been a place of work and play and mess and everything in between um, over these last months into a place that you can pray in, a place that 
if you're spending a bulk of the time of the holiday at home, uh, besides in the socially distanced holiday services that we're hosting, um, how do I make that space intentional? How do I create kind of a synagogue space in my house? So some things I've been reading uh, or, or ideas that colleagues have shared have been like uh, how to set up your own a portion of a space in your house to look like a kind of shul, maybe setting up a table and spreading out a nice tablecloth to set as your shulchan, as your place where you're going to daven, right? Set aside a space where, you know, there aren't going to be any games or kids' toys, and that's going to be the space that's dedicated to davening. Uh, lay out your sfarim and your, your books and your sidrim, things that you'll be reading over the holiday to keep there in that space. Um, uh, there are some readings and some great resources that we've been posting on our High Holiday Resources section on the website uh, that you can print out before and have ready or even be preparing with now, uh, reading a bit. There's a great selection of holiday music uh, that we've been posting about on our High Holiday section to get, get in the practice the tunes of our, of our services, to get in the holiday mood. I was doing a little bit of that this morning, listening to uh, Ellie Kranzler's uh, playlist of high holiday tunes. Um, I want to, I want to just, I want to interrupt. Sorry, just to emphasize, sure. cause I, I want to like, there is a spot on our website, which has high <laughs> holiday resources. Okay. It's really, really great material there. Okay. Um, I don't think all of it is going to be necessarily relevant for each one of you, but um, I think most of you can find something there that's relevant. If you go to our website, asvi.org, it's right there on the homepage. One of the, First three or four things, I don't know. Third thing, I don't know. On the on the right there on the homepage, high holiday resources, and so there are again things you can print out, essays to read before or during the holiday. There's also like a guide to praying at home, like say this prayer. These are the pages you can find it in the mox, or then say this thing next. So if you, you know, not going to have you know somebody you know <laughs> at home with you announcing pages, you can print this out and, and have a copy as you go through. Uh, the day's prayers and know what is said at home as opposed to said in shul. The statistics I, I've heard from some colleagues are that about half of you know the membership of you know sister congregations are going to be turning up for some sort of in-person tefillah this Rosh Hashanah. Uh, I think our shul were a little bit more than half, but um, maybe five sevenths. I think that's that's the numbers that uh, the estimate we, we had as of a day or two ago uh, of our typical numbers. But that means many, many, many dozens, hundreds of people who usually spend hours. Of Rosh Hashanah um, in shul are going to be spending those hours at home, and we really hope that you have a meaningful Rosh Hashanah in your home. And and so the resources, like look it over, print out the things you want to print out, see what's there. Uh, if there's something that you need that's not there, let us know. Maybe we can help you get that information or get that resource. And uh, and I think the preparing the space to pray is also really um, it's, a, it's an important idea, right? Because you don't just uh, we don't. You know, if you're used to coming to shul, you're used to coming to a place that's been designed and built and cleaned and maintained to facilitate prayer. That's probably not what your dining room has been designed and built and maintained in order to do uh, ever, right? So if it's going to be your prayer space, like turn it into your prayer space. Um, have, you, have you been doing that, like, I don't know, like the weeks that you, you know, were not at shul? Have you, like, tra- did you transform your, your apartment in ways to, like, designate a, a praying corner or something like that, like a shul seat on your couch? Like, what? how did you... Um, make this work hmm. for you. That's so interesting. Now I'm thinking, you know, I really wasn't so intentional about it. Um, I definitely did make the effort to tune, to tune into community. I know where uh, I was tuning into um, different pre-Shabbat, uh, Kabbalat Shabbat uh, broadcasts to set the tone. 
Uh, I would set aside things that I was going to read that I definitely did. Um, I wasn't as quick about other people about, you know, being in Shabbat clothing before, before that, those Zooms started, which was uh, <laughs> uh, earlier in the day than I was ready for Shabbat. But um, think about it. But it really makes a difference, right, to think like, you know, I'm sitting in the same chair that I, you know, worked from home all week in. You know, maybe switch chairs, you know, mm-hmm. or even just physically move to a different room in the house. Um, make sure there's a lot. I always make sure there's a lot of light wherever I'm davening if it's in the daytime. I like that a lot. I can see if it has, if one room has a better view than the other, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you can look out into yeah. nature or it's also an opportunity, which I've been enjoying a lot with the, uh, outdoor tefillot of actually going out and praying in nature. I've been seeing, uh, some teachers of mine have been highlighting, you know, since I can't be in uh, community with people when I pray. So I'm going to make sure that my space is more inspirational because I don't have the power of community behind me. Uh, but I can choose to be outside, which is something that's been lovely in our in our tefillot, like looking up at the sky, seeing the sunset. If you turn around in the parking lot, you can see the colors of the sky changing. Um, so choosing your setting if the weather is good. Yeah, yeah. I, I fear that the weather, the good weather is going to run out before, <laughs> you know, we uh, get to go, quote unquote, back to normal. So Don't break should, that we, news to me yet. Yeah, so, so, so we should take advantage of the... The good weather. I, I, I have a line I, I tell my children. I say there's no such thing as bad weather. There's just inappropriate clothing. They, <laughs> they don't believe me. I, I don't know if you believe me or not, but I, we'll, we'll see how, how long we can maintain an outdoor minion uh, as, uh, as we go into winter. And hopefully, please God, we'll have uh, testing and vaccines and treatments and we'll get to have a more normal uh, prayer experience uh, before too long, as everyone says. Amen. Amen. Let's just end with just like tachlis information about the holidays. Like, please, if you haven't already made plans, if you want indoor activities, indoor tefillah options, like you got to sign up. Um, we've closed the sign up for Rosh Hashanah. We have created a wait list. We'll try to accommodate everyone on the wait list. We have tricks up our sleeve we can use, uh, but we just, you know, as as needed. But, but please let us know if you want to join us for in-person tefillah. If you signed up and you realize you're going to be away or you're going to be home, uh, let us know as well. You can free up a spot for someone else. Yom Kippur, we're still accepting um, requests for slots, so please sign up for those if you're interested in in-person tefillah uh, on Yom Kippur. And we are very soon going to announce um, slots for children's in-person children's programming uh, I was going to say, holidays. be on the lookout for that. Uh, for an email announcing uh, signups and registration for our youth programming that is almost, almost, almost finalized. So uh, we are going to have uh, in-person, socially distanced youth programming in different forms. Please be on the lookout and sign up as soon I as I want to just can. tell you, Kola Kavod, I, as far as I know, we are the only synagogue in Lakeview that's offering in-person children's programming this Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Um, so really call a kavod to, to you, Rabbi Goldie, and Thanks. your team of, of, of um, staff and, and lay leaders who helped you plan and implement, like really call a kavod. I think many of our like sister congregations across the country are also not operating any children's programming whatsoever in person. And so uh, this really speaks to our community's devotion to children and your own energy and professionalism that you uh, came on our team and like rolled up your sleeves and got to work on this and, uh, Thanks so much. I hope God agrees and the weather is on our side. So, (laughs) yeah, even if the weather's not so good and we doesn't, (laughs) I think God still agrees. Okay, that's my. I'll go out and live and say that. But uh, hopefully, we'll have good weather. You know, the Shul's the Shul's weather machine is very effective. (laughs) We've never had Simchas Torah Hakafa rained out. Okay, 
So that's really the energy of the Shul's weather machine has really been focused on Simchas Torah, at least for the seven years that I've been here. Um, so, but we've that's such been a very lucky, Rabbi very Jim. lucky with our thank you. <laughs> we've been very lucky with our outdoor Shabbat tefillot also. So we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Straw Hat. This is Straw Hat producer Haley Leventhal. Our podcast release schedule has been a little erratic lately as we're preparing for a very busy and unusual high holiday season. So thank you for listening and sticking with us. We really appreciate your support. Whether you are staying home for the holidays this year or joining us at Shul, I hope that you and your families have a very happy, very healthy new year. Shana Tova, and we'll see you for our next podcast episode in the new year.